This is Wealth of Ohio with Robert Dodaro from Prism Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Robert provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Wealth of Ohio with Robert Dodaro. Well, you may have noticed lately that things are changing quite rapidly in the world, whether it's the price of food and gasoline going up, uh, rule changes coming down from the government that change the way that we live our lifestyles, uh, and just on and on of events that we see throughout the world. And as those events change, you know, we take it upon ourselves to try and share information with everybody to help you better understand a little bit about what's going on in the world and how it impacts the people of Ohio. Hi, I'm Robert Dodaro, founder of Prism Wealth Management, and you are listening to the Wealth of Ohio show and podcast. With me today, as always, is Mr. Tony Shore. Uh, and I've also got our special guest this week, Matt Gilbert, in here with us. Now, this week, we wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's going on in the world as far as uh, the government has announced recently that they are making some changes to retirement rules. Now, I want to stress to everybody that these rules have just passed the House of Representatives. They have not passed the Senate yet, so they're not official. But these rules passed by, I think it was a vote of, what, 415 to 4? In the House, I mean, how often does the government really agree that much on things? Uh, but you know, it's very likely that these rules are going to come down and become, go into effect. So. Today, we wanted to talk a little bit about the SECURE Act 2.0. And the big question with these changes is, is it going to lead to people having to pay more taxes? Right. I mean, we all we all wonder this, right? Like every time the government changes things, we know there's winners and losers. Will they actually be increasing taxes on people without realizing it? And also with the inflation that we've seen, uh, the fact that recently this is a hot button topic, the uh, the yield curve has inverted. We'll talk a little bit about what that means and how that's a warning sign that recession is pro probably about 12 to 18 months away. So if you have inflation and you have the risk of losing money in your 401ks and your pension, does it mean that if you keep working, you're really not making anything? by working this long? Should you consider retiring sooner, perhaps? So we're going to talk about all those topics today on the Wealth of Ohio show and podcast. But Tony, Matt, thanks for being here again this week, guys. Appreciate the time. Uh, you know, Matt, we talked about it in the office this week. There are so many changes being proposed in the Secure Act 2.0, and you did a pretty good job of finding an article that, uh, you know, from Kiplinger, and we'll, we'll just share this in our show notes. So if you sign up, to receive our show notes. It's just an email list where every week we'll send you copies and links to the articles and the information that we use. Uh, this week we found a Kiplinger article, or Matt did, that goes into 14 of the main changes. However, there's like over 35 changes in this bill. So we linked in the actual copy of the bill that's searchable and easy to use to find all these different changes that the government's making to retirement rules. But Matt, what were some of the changes that you saw that jumped out to you from this article? Um, the biggest one's the RMD. Um, as 
our role here as financial advisors, we always look into ways to save money. So we're looking at the Roth conversions, RMDs, kind of taxes, how we're going to save our com- our clients money. So this kind of opens up more strategies depending on how the law is written. You know, it's written by lawyers, so mm-hmm. it can be interpreted many different ways. So it'll be interesting to see what the final bill looks like. So RMDs for those who are new out there, and, and this is the challenge of doing our show. A lot of you are listening for the first time. And so we want, you know, people who are just starting off, we want to try and simplify things for you and make it to where you can understand it. But we've also got people who've been listening to us for a long time, and we try and go a little bit deeper into the weeds and give those people new things that they haven't heard before. So really quickly, if you're just listening to us for the first time, RMD is required minimum distribution. This is with your IRA, your traditional IRA, your your, your 401ks. Uh, Once you reach, it used to be the age of 70 and a half. Okay. At 70 and a half, if you hadn't started withdrawing money from there, every year the government would require you to take a little bit more money out each year and pay the taxes on it. Now, you're not having to take 10 or 15% of your IRA out every year. Usually it's like 3 to 4% in the neighborhood of 4% every year that you're taking out. But back in 2019, they changed the rules from 70 and a half to 72. That was Secure Act 1.0. Now we're looking at the new Secure Act 2.0, and in there, they did make quite a few changes to RMD rules. So now you possibly don't have to start taking these withdrawals up until age 75. But I think when we, when Matt and I looked at this, it, it, they could have written it a little bit simpler for people. The way they wrote always, it in the rules. right? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> they it, can always make it simpler, but yeah. they don't. <laughs> so we want to simplify it for you. So the right now it's age 72. But Matt, can you give people a breakdown of how they're going to change it? Because it's a phase in over through age 75. So they're going to do 73 is the next bump up. Then they're going to 74 and 75. Mm -hmm. So anybody that was born after January 1st, 1951, up to December 31st, 1956, their RMD is going to be 73, age of 73 or that year that you turned 73. 74 was a shorter window. It was January 1st, 57 to December 31st of 58. And then anybody after, born after January 1st, 1959, your RMD or required minimum distribution is going to be 75. So basically, if you were born from 1951 through 1956, you're going to be starting at age 73. If you were someone born in 1957 or 1958, you're going to start at 74. Anybody born in 1959 and beyond doesn't have to start taking these until age 75. And what I found is, I mean, most people who retire and are actually spending their money spend more than what the required minimum distribution is. So this really doesn't impact you. Uh, It's usually wealthier people who don't need as much money out of their accounts uh, that this would impact and give them the ability to either hold onto their money longer or do Roth conversions for longer, where you take your money out of your IRA and put it into your Roth IRA. You you pay the taxes on the money when you do that, but in the Roth IRA, your money gets to grow tax-free. And we've done plenty of shows about the value of Roth conversions. Remember, you can always go to our website, myprismwealth.com, and there's a radio page there that you can click on and check out any shows. And we've done, like I say, there's shows on Roth conversions in there you can check out if that's something you're interested in learning more about. But The problem with RMD in the past was like, if you were 72 now and you didn't take your RMD out, uh, 
the government would fine you 50%. So like if you had to take $10,000 out of your account that year and you didn't take it, it would be a $5,000 penalty. Plus you would still have to withdraw the $10,000 later and pay the taxes on it too. So it's a very harsh penalty. And the Secure Act 2.0 to its credit, actually makes this easier on people. In fact, they're reducing the penalty to 25%, but they're also giving you a window of time to correct things where you only have to pay 10%. And, you know, Matt, I, I find this interesting because, you know, uh, there's there's people who've missed it in the past. Like I, I've worked with people who've missed it in the past. And this isn't obvious. Like it, the IRS uh, is overwhelmed a lot of times in there to whether or not they're they're actually notifying people in a prompt manner. But when they do, a lot of times they do what's called granting a variance to people where it's like, you know what? I was sick that year. I was, I was unable to do it. I, you know, sorry, I, I'm new to this. I forgot, but I'll take out the extra money next year and pay the taxes on it. And, and normally they're pretty forgiving, you know, with that as well too. Not always, you know, but normally. So by them codifying this, the way that they have these changes, it kind of tells me that they're going to start cracking down on it more. That's kind of what I see by looking at this is that they wouldn't go through all this effort if they didn't see that it was a problem. And they probably weren't correcting as much, collecting as much revenue as they thought they would be. So by recodifying it and reinforcing it, it actually means they're probably going to be a little bit stricter about going through and enforcing this. So I would watch out and make sure that you are actually taking your RMD every year. If you're over the age of 72, you need to be watching it. Again, these rules aren't law yet, so it's not 75 until, you know, basically these actually pass the Senate and get signed by the president. We'll see if that happens, but the odds are pretty good. So RMD is a big change. Some other changes coming up is they're going to start enrolling people automatically in their 401ks for the company. Um, There's some problems I have with this as well, too, I'll just say. Uh, I like the idea. I mean, people do need to save more. I think, Matt, you found a literacy score for the state of Ohio, and Ohio actually ranks 17th out of 1 through 50 in terms of overall literacy. Not terrible. Not terrible, and it's usually where we find Ohio. It's usually in the, the mid to late teens where and most scoring that we've looked at whenever we bring up Ohio information. But part of that literacy is, are you contributing to your 401k? Now, if you start doing automatic contributions for companies that have more than 10 employees, then realistically, what they say is you can start at a mandatory contribution of 3%. But every year, the company must increase that by 1% until you get to 10%. So basically over an, you know seven, eight-year period, you're going to go all the way up to 10%. The problem I have with that, and as we've discussed many times with IRAs and Roth IRAs, is how much you put into your account is based on your income and how much money you're making and what tax rate you are in. So if you're automatically increasing every year, there's a good chance that by doing that, if you're not planning properly, you could end up losing money in the form of taxes later in life when you do that. So if you are in a company where you're going to be forced to enroll and forced, now you can opt out, you know, it is in there where you are allowed to opt out of these. But if you are forced, you have to understand when to go into an IRA when to go into a Roth IRA. Uh, this requires advice. It requires you working with people. This is why we do comprehensive planning where we look at all these different things for people and help them figure out, should they be going pre-tax with their 401? Should they be going Roth IRA with their 401k? So 
All of these are options that you need to be aware of. But if you're in a situation where your contribution is increasing every year, you definitely need to learn how to do these things. Otherwise, you could be costing yourself a tremendous amount of money over your lifetime. If you go by the rule of thumb, I mean, the rule of thumb is between 10% of your salary up to mm-hmm. uh, 15%. And the thing about this is it's not looking at, am I contributing to my own individual IRA or Roth IRA in that? It's just mm-hmm. looking at your company sponsored plan. Yeah. So remember, we always talk about this when you're when you're doing these contributions into your company plan or even to your traditional IRA, you're playing the game. Are you smarter than the federal government? <laughs> you are trying to borrow money in the form of taxes from them right now, thinking that later in life, after you've made more money, when you pay them back at that time, you will make more money in your pocket. And the odds are very low that you will make more money if you are paying a higher tax rate later in life. Life. So again, you have to know how to calculate these things. Fortunately, it's stuff that we do as we run through our planning process with people uh, and help them better understand where they currently stand. So when you come meet with us in our office, we walk you through what we call our clear retirement solution. This is the value of comprehensive planning when you're meeting with someone because retirement isn't just about income. Income is definitely one of the biggest parts of retirement, but you also have to manage your investments. You have to look for tax efficiencies. You have to worry about your healthcare costs and you have to worry about legacy costs. Uh, What good is saving all that money if half of it goes to Uncle Sam when you die? right? Like you didn't make anything in that situation. So all of these are things that can be very expensive to you, whether you're alive and seeing them or whether it's something that happens after you pass away. So the clear retirement solution is a comprehensive, or sorry, a, a comprehensive process and a complimentary process that we walk you through when you come meet with me in either my Worcester or Wadsworth office. Um, we want to help you understand where you are right now in terms of your readiness for being able to retire. This process will help you see the good, the bad, and the ugly and how you stack up and all five of those key areas of retirement planning. Uh, we do this because we believe that everybody who is motivated to actually build a plan for retirement, if you've gotten to gather all your information up and gathered it for us, we want to give you our best effort at telling you what your, what your current path looks like. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, what's the concerns are. So the clear retirement solution is there to help you understand where you are. And then ultimately we step in to show you how we can help improve things from where you are. So if you're looking at retiring in the next five years, this is definitely something that you need to be considering and looking at right now. And we'll talk more about that, especially in the next couple of segments here. But all you need to do is call 330-804-0123. Again, that's 330-804-0123. But we'll be back in in just a moment with more of the Wealth of Ohio show and podcast. When you think of a puzzle, what would you say is the most important piece? Corner? A side piece? I would argue that the most important piece of a puzzle is the picture on the box. And the same can be said for your retirement. Robert Dodaro from Prism Wealth Management would love to show you your retirement picture. For more information, call 330-804-0123 or visit his website at wealthofohio.com. Firm offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered through AEWM LLC. 
And welcome back to the Wealth of Ohio show and podcast. I'm your host, Robert Dodaro, and with me as always is Mr. Tony Shore. And this week, our special guest is Matt Gilbert. And we're talking a little bit about the new rules the government has proposed uh, called the Secure Act 2.0. This is here to help regulate retirement accounts and make changes to the way the system is. And whenever there are changes, especially whenever the government makes changes, there are always going to be winners and losers, no matter what. There's going to be people that benefit more and people that are hurt more by these rule changes. So we talked a little bit about some of the changes in the first segment. I want to go a little bit more into some of the more positive changes we see, but I did notice in some of these rule changes that there actually are going to be what I would call tax increases on people. The the government may not define it that way, but we'll tell you what those provisions are and you can decide if you think it's a tax increase or not. But I wanted to talk a little bit because one thing I did like about this is they are allowing employers to count student loan payments that their employees make as contributions to the retirement plan. So if you're out there and you're working for an employer trying to pay off your student loan debt, which is a very big debt out there right now. If you're trying to do those things, your employer can count your payment as a contribution to your 401k and give you a match on that. So this way, if you can't afford to put into your retirement plan right now, but you're paying off your student loans, your employer can still be putting into your retirement plan for you during that time, which is a great benefit, I think, you know, in there as well, too. It's one that, uh, you know, makes me happy uh, as well, too. In fact, I've kind of been holding on to one of my student loans, not paying it off entirely, thinking that this provision might come around just as a way to help me save a little bit more money as I pay it off in there as well, too. So, you always have to look for those opportunities out there. Uh, Matt, what, what else jumped out to you in this bill? Um, it, it was interesting. They're trying to incentivize people to re- save and they've giving out retirement incentives like a gift card to mm-hmm. people that contribute, which is just odd. Yeah. So they, they want employers to incentivize contributions into the retirement plan as much as possible. And so this is where you have to be careful on things because so – If you're like, let's just say your employer said, hey, anybody who signs up for their 401k and starts contributing 3% will get a $100 gift card this month to Visa or whatever, right? Or wherever the gift cards to. So on its face, it's like, oh, that seems great. I can get a hundred bucks if I enroll right now and start contributing. What the problem with that is this. The $100 gift card that you get from the employer is taxable to you. You're going to get a 1099 for that and have to pay taxes on the 100 bucks. The reason you're putting in the company plan is to get a tax deduction. So in essence, by getting the $100 gift card, you could be eliminating the entire tax, you know, the the entire benefit of putting it in the account as, you know, so... (laughs) You have to, you know, some of these things are well-intentioned, but not well thought out, we'll just say, and there as well, too. So maybe the Senate makes some changes to that provision in there. Uh, it, it's funny how you look at it. So that, that's one of the, the, the tax increases out there that I saw, or at least one of the offsets that I saw in this bill as they go along. Uh, I know they also increased the catch-up contributions. So when you're over the age of 50, you're allowed to contribute more into your company plan and more into your regular IRAs uh, than you could when you're under the age of 50. So for instance, in 2022, the average person is allowed to put $20,500 into their 401k or 403b plan. So a lot of people have those. Some people have what's known as a simple IRA. When you work for a small business, you might have one of those. You're allowed to put $14,000 per year in there normally. 
The catch-up contributions for 401ks would allow you to put in an additional $6,500 uh, in the in, during the year. For simple IRA owners, you're allowed to put an additional $3,000 in there for your catch-up contribution. They, they have these because they knew when people were younger and having kids, they couldn't put as much money into their plans. But when you're 50 and older, the kids tend to be out of the house and you tend to be in some of your higher earning years. So the catch-up contribution is there when for most people who who actually finally have the ability to put a lot towards savings gives them the ability to, to, to save more. So those are the current numbers. Instead of being able to put in an extra $6,500 to your 401k or 403b, they want it to be where you're putting $10,000 as a catch-up contribution. And instead of getting an extra $3,000 on your simple, they want you to have an extra $5,000. So this is allowing you to put a lot more money into your plan. But there's a catch, as always. If you look at it, if you look at the rest of the bill, anybody who's doing their catch-up contributions, okay, if you're doing a catch-up contribution out there, right now you could be going pre-tax, and and every dollar you're putting in, you're getting a tax deduction for. The new rule says anybody doing their catch-up contributions, those catch-up contributions have to be treated as Roth IRA, meaning you are now paying the taxes on that money instead of getting a tax deduction for it. You're, you're, you're getting the benefit of growing it in a Roth IRA where the money's tax-free moving forward. So it's not like you're just, you know, getting the short end of the stick all only. But still, it, there's a lot of people out there that are currently using their catch-up contribution and going pre-tax because it saves them a bunch on their taxes. By switching it and making them having to go Roth IRA, you're costing a lot of people a lot of money that they're, again, is this a tax increase? No, but will you see a higher tax bill because of this? Yes, <laughs> you know, in there as well, too. So, again, it's a matter of vocabulary in here, but you've got to understand if you're doing the catch-up contributions right now and this rule does pass, you might need to rethink your strategy about how and where you're saving and what you could be doing. So that was one benefit in there, but it also comes with risks and also comes with people possibly paying more taxes because of this. Uh, another thing they did that's, you know, okay, here's the good and bad. They, they, they changed the savers credit. Okay. So the savers credit was there for low income people. If you were a low income person and you were contributing to a retirement plan, the government would give you an extra credit on your taxes and credits are good because that's money in your pocket. Like, so for every dollar you get a deduction on, maybe you're saving 12 or 15%. For every dollar you're getting a credit on, you're saving a dollar, which so much better. So it used to be that, you know, if you were an individual or what the current rule is. So if you're an individual making up to $34,000 and you're putting into your retirement plan, they may give you up to 50% you know, of that contribution back as a tax credit. So if you're putting $4,000 in, you might get $2,000 back uh, on your credit, or sorry, up to $1,000 for individuals. My apologies there. $2,000 is for married couples. So let's say you're making $30,000 and you put $2,000 into your IRA that year you probably get an extra $1,000 on your taxes. It might be phased out a little bit and maybe you only get 800 or 500 in there, but you would get that extra money on top of it as well too. So it's a nice little bonus on your taxes. For married people, it was up to $68,000 in income. 
So the government simplified this for a lot of people because some people were getting 50%, some were getting 20%, some were getting 10% back in their savers credit. It was a little bit different and confusing for everybody. So the government just said, you know what, it's going to be 50% for everybody, but we're going to lower the threshold. So now instead of 30, you know, uh, sorry, at uh, 34,000 for single people, it's at 24,000. So if you're an individual making between $24,000 and $34,000 and putting away for retirement, you may be losing money because of this. Same thing if you're a married couple. Instead of $68,000, they're going to lower it down to $36,000, sorry, $48,000 on there as well, too. So if you're a married couple making between $48,000 and $68,000, Okay, you may be losing money on tax credits because of this rule and these these rule changes as well, too. So you have to be aware of these things. And as the rules change, you have to have a strategy in place to help you change with those things as well, too. So just some things to be aware of there as well. Let's see, Matt. What else? What else did you see in there that you liked? So the lost and found. Oh yeah, that's a great one. So the Secure Act 2.0 wants the Department of Labor to create a database for lost and found retirement plans. I see this as good and bad. If it's public knowledge, that going to be something that you've got all the scammers trying to reach out to you and get it. Or is it going to be something where it's kind of more protected? They need your information like your social security logins Mm -hmm. where you sit down with your advisor, they look it up and they help you organize it. Well, even if it's not scammers, if it's telemarketers too, right? Like if they, (laughs) so uh, don't want any of them getting that information if you can avoid it, I imagine. So no, it's great because there are a lot, I've had clients call me and they're like, Hey Robert, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I just, got a statement on an account I completely forgot about. I didn't even know I still had this account, but there's 10, 20 grand in there that I just didn't remember. (laughs) So uh, with it, so this does happen. You change jobs and you're not exactly sure what happened to your old 401 or your old 403B or anything. So the government wants to create a website where you can go and search for this money to find any, just kind of like unclaimed funds, right? We all know we can search for unclaimed funds. This is a way of searching for unclaimed retirement accounts in there as well too. So it's kind of a cool little feature in there as well. Uh, We've talked about QCDs in the past, qualified charitable distributions. Uh, The rule wants to make it to where you can do more qualified charitable distributions and actually make the cap go. So you can do up to $100,000 in qualified charitable distributions. For those of you who are RMD age, where you have to take that money out every year from your IRA, if you are a charitable person, you can give that money to charity and you will get the full tax deduction for it. And you might say, big deal, Robert, I can give to charity now and get a tax deduction. Uh-uh. Right now, if you're contributing, you have to contribute more than the standard deduction or make it to where you're, the amount you're contributing is over the standard deduction to qualify for any sort of deduction. And only the amount above the standard deduction is actually given you to any form of benefit. So, Most people contributing to charity aren't really getting any benefit on their taxes from it right now, I'll say. QCDs go straight to the charity from your IRA, so you get to actually deduct that income and right off the top in addition to your standard deduction. So it is a very big benefit to those of you who are charitable. And if you're already giving to your church or your charity, you know, why pay the taxes on that money? Pass it on and get it in a tax-free way using a QCD if you're over the age of 70 and a half and 72. There's different rules there. 
So, but they made that a little bit better. So there's lots to like in this bill. And that's the point. The point of comprehensive planning, like what we do, is to look at all the different angles and how it's going to impact people. And what we find is, is that as the rules change, if you're not changing your strategies along with it, you're losing money in the picture. And in fact, that's what we're going to talk about in our bonus segment for all our podcast listeners out there is, you know, with inflation, with the risk of recession that we've seen coming about, uh, are you actually losing money by working. And that's going to be our bonus segment. But for our radio listeners out there, remember, if you're thinking of retiring, if you want to retire someday, then you need to start building a plan. And that plan needs to be comprehensive and look at not only your income ability, but your investments, your tax efficiency, your health care, and your legacy. So we put this all together in what we call our clear retirement solution. It is a comprehensive process and a complementary process that you we walk you through when you meet with me in either my Worcester, or my Wadsworth office. Uh, we're there to help you understand where you are in terms of your readiness to retire and what things you could be doing to improve your situation and make it you know, to where you have better odds of success. We want people to feel confident going into retirement that they can enjoy themselves uh, and have a comfortable retirement. It takes a lot of work and, you know, obviously it depends on your circumstances, how well the picture looks, but we're here to give you a straight assessment of where you stand, the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of your readiness to retire. So all you need to do is call 330-804-0123. Again, that's 330-804-0123. Or you can always visit us on the web at myprismwealth.com. But that's about all the time we have for our show today. We'll be right back with more of our podcast in just a moment. Thank you for listening to Wealth of Ohio. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Robert Dodaro at Prism Wealth Management. Call 330-804-0123 or visit them online at wealthofohio.com. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Prism Wealth Management, LLC are not affiliated companies. Prism Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Prism Wealth Management is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Prism Wealth Management, LLC. This radio show is a paid placement. A Roth conversion is a taxable event and may have several tax-related consequences. Be sure to consult with a qualified tax advisor before making any decisions regarding your IRA. And welcome to the Wealth of Ohio podcast bonus section. And I'm your co-host, Tony Shore. I'm here with our host, Robert Dodaro. And uh, we have a guest with us today, don't we, Robert? That's right. We have Matt Gilbert. He works with me in my Worcester office. Uh, you know, he's someone that's been with me, what, it's almost been a year now, Matt, right? Almost getting almost there. Almost getting there, about to have his big party. But uh, Awesome. Yeah, you know, so... 
we, uh, you know, the, the, the government recently passed the Secure Act 2.0, and we talked about that on the radio show quite a bit in there and some of the different provisions. Again, if you're signed up on our email list, then you will not, you'll get a copy of our show notes that has all these articles and where we're drawing this information from so you can read it yourself. But sure. You know, well, the big question you've been asking mm-hmm. in the show, and I know you're going to continue talking about this a little bit, and it's quite the question, are we actually losing money by working? Uh, that that sounds counterintuitive. Well, it, it really does, but I, it's the question I'm getting asked a lot when people come in my office. Like, if you're working, you know, and you have a pension, and your pension fund is going down while you're lurk, while you're working, or they're looking at changing your payout options on you to where you're not getting as good of a payout rate. Well, in a lot of cases, you know, you're working, but you're losing money while you're working to where, hey, if I retire now, I can secure that money. Ah. Sa- same sort of logic with the market. You know, if the market's going to drop and I'm going to lose money, am I better off getting my money out and building a plan with it now that helps me ride it through and maybe not lose as much if the market market does drop as well too. So by losing money in your retirement plans while you're working, you know, that's a good question. Does it offset your salary in some ways in there? I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, Matt, what are your thoughts? Um, that's a tough one. You just got to look at what does retirement look like for you? Mm-hmm. It's not about the amount of money. It's the experiences you get. What do you want? What do you have goals for? Can you accomplish those goals successfully now? There's a lot of people in our area that do not spend their money. So they could retire well before we tell them, but they want to continue to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of this does boil down to, I, I'm glad you found that statistic, you know, uh, in terms of financial literacy, the state of Ohio ranks 17th. And it's broken down in a few different ways on here as far as where we're in our strengths and where we're in our weaknesses. One area of strength for the people of Ohio, I will say, is they don't carry debt very much in there. In fact, there was a a hyperlink inside the article you found, Matt, that took us to the uh, average credit debt for all the major cities out there, (laughs) like the average credit debt for the people of each of the major cities. And they did over 182 cities in the United States. For Ohio, our first city on the list was number 114, Toledo. Okay. That's interesting that it's Toledo. I know it's interesting. Not even our biggest ones. But the other thing that was weird too was that like all the Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, the 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 more you know mainstream bigger cities were all right around the 150 mark. I think one was like 146, one was 152, and you know, I mean they were right around 150 out of 180. So, I mean, that tells you the people of Ohio don't carry a lot of debt with them, which does make it easy to retire earlier in a lot of cases. Actually, Robert, I think that statistic's so bad for Toledo Mm because some people came from that state up north. Yeah, that state we don't talk about (laughs) in here as well, too. Um, You know, but they transplanted down to Toledo and brought their debt. Yeah, we didn't look to see where they scored on there, you know, (laughs) and all that as well. But I don't think it was as good as Ohio. I'm pretty sure. Usually Ohio wins. So. In any case, what, you know, what we're looking at, though, is, you know, this recently the yield curve inverted. So we've talked about it in the past on other shows, but the yield curve is a warning sign of recession is coming that they think a a recession could happen in the next 12 to 18 months. So I'm going to have Matt explain what the yield curve is and, and what it means when it inverts. 
So they're looking at the two-year and the 10-year treasury. And basically, I mean, common sense says if you're tying your money up for a shorter term, you're taking less risk. If you're putting it in longer term, you're getting more risk. So that should pay out a better return on your money. So the 10-year should always be higher than the Mm -hmm. two-year. I mean, imagine if you were paying, like, I want to get a two-year CD and they're offering me 2% interest per year. But if I wanted a 10% C or 10-year CD, they were only giving me 1.5%. Like if I'm going to tie my money up for an additional eight years in there, I expect you to pay me more money, right? Like that's that's the simple logic behind it. So that that's a normal yield curve where the longer you go, the higher interest rate you earn for saving your money for a longer period of time. So go ahead. So they're looking at that and they basically flip like Robert's example, the two year is going to pay out better. So it kind of goes into what assets you have to how it affects you. And the one article on Investopedia kind of broke that down a little bit, talking whether you hold credit if you're in investments or if you have some bonds out there. Well, I mean, and think about it too. Like if I knew that, um, you know, at the longer I went, things would get cheaper why would I rush out to buy them now? That That's the idea behind it. And Interesting. And, and it's basically, you know, think about it. Uh, people are willing to take a lower interest rate for long term because that means that they believe a recession is coming. So they don't mind taking a lower rate now because they feel like it's still going to save them money in the long run with it as well, too. So normally, whenever the yield curve inverts, that's when the shorter term starts paying a higher rate than the longer term. It's a warning sign that a recession is about 12 to 18 months. And back in 2019, the yield curve inverted. Actually, it was the end of 2018 when it started. But by the end of 2019, a lot of people were thinking recession was pretty imminent at that time. And then, of course, COVID hit and we had the recession, but it was more brought about by COVID than what was going on previously. But the warning signs were still there. And it was still about 12 to 18 months after it inverted before we had the recession. So whether it was dumb luck or however you want to look at it, uh, you know, it's still a good indicator that something is on the horizon, that there are, there's enough concern out there to justify, maybe it's time to rework my portfolio. And This is why your company gives you the ability, usually at age 59 and a half, where you're allowed to take your 401k out so you can build your own plan. Usually you do a rollover to a traditional IRA at that time. And this allows you to diversify your assets and pick up additional options because normally your 401k only has so many choices in there. As where your traditional IRA has infinitely more, well, I don't say infinitely more, but exponentially more. And I think that's a fair statement uh, on there as well, too, as for what you could do with those accounts. So when you increase your options, it allows you to build a better strategy in a lot of ways. So that's really what we're, you know, we're here stressing to people is like, look, if you think about it, inflation is going up. There's a possibility we could have a recession and there's usually a 20 to 30 percent drop in the market during that time. And you also have to worry about your pensions as well, too, because a lot of your pensions are invested conservatively in a lot of bond positions that should be losing money over the next year. So if your pension's going down, your 401k is going down and inflation's going up, 
what are you really making by working, you know, in there as well? You mentioned options. So what are you talking currently with your clients about the options they're looking at to protect their money or their concerns? So, you know, kind of just like why the yield curve inverts, like when interest rates go up, bonds go down. Why do they go down? Well, bonds are loans. Like you're loaning a company or you're loaning a government money and saying, give me 3% interest. I, I, I get a check every six months or every quarter. And as long as I hold it for the the 10 years I promised to be in there, I get all my money back plus all the interest. That is a normal bond, okay? But if interest rates are going up, it means by waiting a month or two, instead of 3%, I might be able to get 4%. Why would I want a 3% one right now? And if I were in one that only gave me 3%, the value of that's going to go down quite a bit uh, over that time period because no one's going to want it. There's no, there's no demand for it out there. So we've already been told that interest rates are going to go up. And if you look at the bond market, it's just atrocious. So <laughs> when you're- Yeah, it has been for a while, but it's getting worse now that uh, interest <laughs> rates are going up, right? Yeah. And I, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. So if you have a, lo- a high percentage of bond in your portfolio, you, you might be surprised at the results you're seeing in your account right now and a little bit frustrated with them. So if you have the opportunity, normally what we recommend people are doing is using fixed indexed annuities. These are products where you can keep your money protected when the market goes down, but participate when the market goes up. And with the current rates out there, you can average between four and 7% without paying fees and without the risk of losing when the market goes down. When you compare that to the bond market, there's really no comparison in there. You're going to do a lot better in those positions more often than not than you will in the bond market. So we're encouraging people to reposition a lot of their bond money over there. Meanwhile, okay, your equity money, it's going to take a hit, but as long as you're not overweighted in equities and stock, then you should be able to ride through the storms. And that's really what we're trying to do in retirement. Let me ride through the storms, making sure I can still get the money I need every month for income. And if you can do your best to save me money on taxes while we're doing it, we'd appreciate that, right? So can a fixed indexed annuity invert? I mean, I'm putting my money in there. It's going to be in there for five, seven, 10 years. Mm -hmm. How do those help or adjust to the current market, the future years? Well, so they reset every year. So I'm not sure what you mean by invert there, but you know, so the good thing about annuities is they do reset every year. So like the, let's say the S and P was at 4,000 and at the end of one year, the S and P grew to 4,400. It went up and let's just say you're getting half of the gains. So it went up 10%. You're making 5%. The bad news is, is that now it resets at 4,400 and you need the markets, the S&P to go above 4,400 for you to start making money. However, on the flip side, let's say the S&P started at 4,000 and it dropped to 3,000 over that year. We had that recession. The market dropped 25%. Well, on your anniversary, you're not going to make any money. You're not going to lose that 25% either, but you're going to have a zero year. Fortunately, you also reset with the market at 3,000 that next year. And as long as the market goes or the S&P goes above 3,000, you're making money again. This is why there's so much there's there's so much of a strategic advantage over bonds because when bonds go down and they can go down right now and they are going down right now, uh, you know you have to recover while you're getting paid your dividends in there as well too. And if interest rates aren't going down, 
it's going to be really hard for you to recover in there as well as where the annuities aren't losing anything during that time, you know, as well. They're staying at zero or there's even options in there that we can bet on in the market where, again, you don't lose anything if they go down, but if they go up, you make money. There's even stuff out like there's enough options in there where you can kind of spread the money around and still try and squeeze out interest in most years is what I would say. But overall, my experience with the product, and I've been dealing with them in my family for about 30, 35 years. So we have a pretty good history to look through on in terms of performance. They average about four to 7% if you use them properly. So you have to know which products to look for and how to use them, but that's one way to diversify. If you're not a fan of annuities, there's other options out there uh, as well, too, that you know can kind of keep you balanced. There's life insurance options. Uh, there's different note options out there as well, too. So you have some choices. You find the one that you're comfortable with, but you need someone who can at least explain to you the good and bad of each of these options because there's no one option that's perfect for you that is only good and there's no bad associated with it. There's always a trade-off. So this is why we're independent. This is why we work with multiple companies. We're not beholden to any one company or any one product. We get to shop whether it's on the annuity side, whether it's on the life insurance side, whether it's on the investment side. We want to have options and choices. That way we can put your money in the right place. If this is what you're telling me you need and what you're comfortable with, this is the product that's best suited for those needs. Let's try and put this much of your money over there so we can get your income covered. This money, eh, you don't need this money right now. In fact, you want that money to grow, we can be a little more aggressive with it. Let's put it in this account over here and it's going to be better suited for you for these reasons. This is how you build a comprehensive portfolio. If you have too many accounts, they're all pulling in different directions and you don't always know where they're going to go and if they're all working together. But when you have a comprehensive strategy, I always believe everything should have its place and everything should be working together towards a common goal. If your money is organized that way, your odds of success are going up as you go along and it makes the picture a little bit easier to see for you as well. So, Point being is you got to be thinking about these things right now. If we're on the brink of a recession, should, you know, 12 to 18 months away, what should I be doing right now? And if you're not someone who follows the yield curve, but you've heard it named plenty of times, we're even putting a link in our show notes where you can go straight and see the yield curve anytime you want. But you need to be thinking about changing strategies. You need to be thinking about, you know, am I losing money by working or does it, you know, does it make sense to retire now or am I okay waiting that extra year? What does it look like if I retire now? Well, great. If you're wondering that, come meet with me in either Worcester or Wadsworth for a complimentary appointment. We'll build your clear retirement solution and show you your current path and show you what opportunities and risks that you have on your current path as you go into retirement. And all you need to do to start the complimentary process is call 330-804-0123. Again, it's 330 330-804- 0123. You're normally hearing this on the weekend or after hours. So if you do, just leave us a message. We'll call you back the next day. Either Joe or Rebecca from my office will give you a call. Or you can always go to our website, myprismwealth.com and check out the radio link or just message us there and we'll get you signed up for something. Uh, Whether you want an appointment, whether you want a phone call, whatever it may be. But I think that's about, I think we covered enough ground on the podcast. I think you guys got (laughs) enough bonus material there. Thank you to all our lovely podcast listeners out there. We appreciate you so much. Um, And we'll be back next week with more of the Wealth of Ohio show and podcast.